On behalf of Okta and Kerasoft, we would like to welcome you to today's podcast, Transformation Ready in Higher Education, Lessons from Leaders on Identity Modernization. During this podcast, colleges and institutions across the country and the Tambellini Group, the leading independent technology research and advisory firm dedicated exclusively to higher education, discuss the status of multi-factor authentication on campus, zero trust in higher education, and more. You will hear directly from campus leaders as they share their journeys to improve identity access and security systems and how other campuses can adopt similar strategies. Thank you all for taking the time to join us today. I'm looking forward to uh, having a great session. Um, Octa's proud to, to sponsor this session and be a part of this. Octa's a, a leader in identity and access management as a service offering cloud solutions to help secure and uh, streamline and enhance user experiences for all of our customers. Um, so, uh, as I mentioned, happy to sponsor and uh, proud to, to have this great, amazing panel with us today um, to talk about some of the, their, their journeys, challenges, and experiences around cloud transformation, modernization, uh, security, and identity as well. So, without further ado, uh, let me get to this amazing panel, let them introduce themselves, and then we'll kick into this awesome conversation. So, Stephen, I'll pass it off to you first. Thanks, Ben. Uh, my name is Stephen Ferguson. I'm the Chief Information Officer for the Technical College System in Georgia, a system of uh, 22 colleges, 88 campuses across the state, serving over 320,000 uh, students annually. I'm going to pass it on to Jonathan. Hi. Hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Pearsall. I'm the Chief Information Officer at Howard University in Washington, D.C. Uh, we are a private uh, doctoral research institution serving about 11,000 uh, students uh, in the greater Washington area. I'll give it to uh, Fred. Thank you, Jonathan. I'm Fred Rocha. I'm the Chief Information Technology Officer for Coast Colleges in Southern California, one of 116 community colleges in the state and one of 73 districts. And I'll pass it off to Brad. Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Yoder. I'm the Chief Information Officer at uh, Ames Community College. Uh, our main campus is in Greeley, Colorado. Uh, we do have four campuses and about 8,400 students, and I'll give it over to Dave. Thanks, Brad. Welcome, everybody. And I'm Dave Kiefer from the Tambellini Group. I'm a vice president and analyst at the firm, and we are uh, an analyst firm that covers just higher education technology, as many of you will know, and provide research and advisory services to institutions. So thank you for asking me today, Ben, to be uh, the moderator for this discussion. I'm excited about it. Before we dive into the Q&A portion here with the panel, I wanted to um, just talk a little bit about what we're seeing from a market perspective in higher education right now. I would start with, from a technology strategy perspective, many institutions are moving into what, are, what they're calling digital transformation, which is you know whatever term of art you wanna use around digital transformation. It's a bit of a buzzword at the moment, but it is and it isn't, because what it's come to mean in our industry is a lot more than modernization of technology. It's process standardization, centralization of common services, automation of processes, moving into modern technology that is generally cloud-based and not once and done. So this continuous improvement uh, mentality and culture, as well as moving to technology that really enables institutions' futures. So as we talk to folks, we're hearing a lot about moving to these platforms so that they can transform and continually improve. And if COVID taught us anything, institutions are much more agile than we thought. So 
So folks are pretty tired. I think there is this vision of higher education being a much more agile industry than we've been. And I think this technology wave we're seeing right now is going to enable that. So as institutions go down that path, what they're finding is there are their core components of their technology infrastructure that aren't modern today. So most institutions don't have a modern identity provider. Most institutions don't have um, an integration platform or data governance or some of these other core components that are necessary to really achieve the modernization they're looking for. And so we've been looking at all of these underlying technologies extensively over the last year, especially since COVID hit. So as they're looking at identity providers, they're finding that a lot of identity providers can't succeed in higher ed because of the real complexities. And these, these gentlemen will speak to those complexities today to some degree, uh, multiple simul simultaneous identities that exist in higher education that really don't exist in this form in almost any other industry. So, you know, identities before and after formal relationships with the institution. So whether it's alumni after that, you know, formal period of being a student or whether it's folks applying to be students in those institutions. Uh, we have people that come and go, right? We have adjunct faculty, we have lecturers that come and go. We have employees that, who can be multiple things at one time. So I know when I was at an institution, which I was for over 30 years, I was an employee, I was a student, I was a parent, I was a donor, I was a fan, all at one time and a volunteer, right? So you can be all of these things, which are completely different from an identity perspective and institutions want to know all about that individual and see that whole view, um, which is a real challenge. So what we're seeing from a lot of institutions is this move from these homegrown AD-based, database-based IM tools, I'll put them in air quotes, and they're really trying to move into modern solutions. And I think that journey you'll hear about from some of these folks today, I think it's a really important journey for higher education to get to. Because as a industry, we're quite far behind in this space. As we move into the questions here, just wanted to leave you with that we're seeing a lot of interest in moving both to the cloud from an application and an infrastructure perspective. And institutions really need this technology to enable that set of changes to be efficient and effective. So definitely a hot topic across higher education today. So I'm going to turn to some questions. And first, I want to give each of these folks a little chance to tell us a little bit more background and specifically about your vision for technology at your institution and what's what's driving that vision today. And I'm going to start with Brad. Thanks, Dave. You hit on already on some of the main points, moving to the cloud, modernizing, and you know, with, with a small shop like ours, we need to have a powerful tool that we can also don't have to dedicate a whole team of resources to, to manage and maintain. Our journey to the cloud uh, for us at Ames has been primarily uh, as uh, renewals come up, as uh, it's time to reevaluate whether we want to continue with the technology. Our first opportunity is in the cloud. That's the first place that we looked. And so our uh, evolution has kind of been more of a gradual uh, migration, not a wholesale. We're going to map this out and we're going to get it all done within a, a particular period of time. Makes sense. Fred? I would have to agree with, you know, with the statements that have already been made. Uh, for us, it's also including the reducing of complexity and finding tools that are much more standard uh, within the technology landscape. I think higher education for a long time has been really good at creating either spoke tools or processes 
because uh, we view ourselves as such a unique entity when in fact, we're all uh, unique, but we're not very different. We all have to register students. We all have to provide transcripts. We all have to be able to pay uh, staff. Uh, We all have to be able to distribute financial aid. And with that, to be able to have fewer tools that allow us to accomplish that and be able to manage that, especially in the great state of California, which is probably the most regulated state uh, around, there's so many challenges with having to to deal with compliance issues, having tools uh, and, and solutions that are truly industry standard, widely supported, widely understood, allows us really to take giant steps forward in that direction. That's a great point, Fred, and that's a monumental shift in our in our industry today as moving to standard tools. And I think that's a really important point. Jonathan, what's the view from Howard? Yeah, Howard, uh, we started our digital transformation in 2018. When I first arrived, uh, the cabinet asked us to first modernize the ERP. And of course, as we built the strategy to do that, we saw that our identity system was causing us trouble. Uh, It was not robust enough to handle the various multiple identities that a single person had at our university. And I think our best example is our president. So obviously he's the Uber administrator, but he's also a practicing surgeon in our hospital, a faculty member in our medical school and a faculty member in our school of education. Uh, And so trying to chase all of his identities were causing us lots of problems. We realized that the identity system had to be part of our digital transformation in order for us to keep up with all of the new things that we were trying to do. So that led us down the path of reevaluating our current identity management system and trying to make sure it had enough capability to manage all of the identities. That's great. Yeah, institutions with clinical operations have indeed a whole double down of complexity that they have to deal with. All right, Stephen? I can echo a lot of what was already said, but I'll tell you that a couple of different things and parts of our journey, and we started that digital transformation piece in, in, in kind of stutter steps, right? From the very beginning, there was targets of opportunity uh, that we could transform. And the pandemic gave us this opportunity to do transformation at a much grander scale. Not only did it give us that opportunity where people were less resistant to change of, hey, I've got to be able to do my job remotely. I've got to be able to do these things. The, the students, the people we serve, really wanted the opportunity to continue their education and continue to learn, but in a safe way, in an environment that let them uh, kind of do it on their own terms. And so that ushered in not only funding uh, and an opportunity, but certainly the timing uh, was right. And so we started, and really a lot of this enveloped under our eCampus initiative. Uh, We have 22 colleges. We have online learning. What we don't have is a, a shared model that allows you as a student or a college within the system to offer programs and utilize the capacity of any other college. For instance, there's programs that exist in a metro area with high populations that are in demand. But if you're a student in a rural area, uh, you know, a rural part of Georgia, you may not have the opportunity to take that program because you may not have talent in that area. Uh, There may not be a a demand for jobs in that immediate area. And so we've been able to rethink and and retool and say, hey, let's, let's leverage the capacity Let's leverage the knowledge and, and, and things out of the haves. Those are in areas where it exists. And let's create equity and opportunity for students, regardless of their zip code. And so under that banner, under that e-campus platform, uh, we've been able to transform a lot of the way we deliver 
education. And a big part of making that possible was controlling the identity. Because if there's a student at one college that is consuming and taking advantage of resources anywhere in the state, then they don't need to have to rely on five, 10 different logins and IDs. We need to make that, that experience seamless for them. We had one guiding tenant uh, that we went through with kind of this digital transformation effort and workshop together. And uh, you know, for all the decisions we've made on, on transformation, everything's had to pass through one critical gate, which is that student obsessed. Mm-hmm. And for us, uh, one of the core parts of student obsession really is identity, a single identity for everybody so that they can get access to resources without having to keep track of a plethora of other IDs and passwords. That's great. It goes back to that simplification idea we've already heard about. I want to drill into this for a second with Jonathan. Can you talk in a little bit more detail about how identity plays a role in the transformation that you're going through? Yeah. So going back to our ERP, as we're deploying a new this new ERP, we're learning more about the identities and the roles that different people have and trying to bring those together. As I said, we just kept running into roadblocks, being able to just manage multiple identities or multiple roles on a single identity. We also have students that are moving through the system, starting as, you know, FTIC's been moving all the way through, in a lot of cases, graduate school. And we were having trouble um, allowing them to keep certain aspects of their identity. So their uh, unified communication capabilities, email and calendar and those kind of things as they moved into a graduate program, there could be a little bit of gap between the graduation of undergrad and then moving to another Howard graduate school, allowing them to keep certain aspects and then taking certain aspects away until they re-register as a new graduate student. We just kept having to do rework. We kept having our help desk inundated. When they go to start their program, they can't get into things, they're locked out of things. And a lot of that is tied to our identity system. It's the downstream devices that we need a lot more care for. Door locks, having the ability to access libraries, having the ability to access various databases peculiar to a program such as engineering or business or medicine. And with all of these downstream artifacts that people needed access to, it was difficult for us to do it in our old system. It either could do some of them, but couldn't do them all, or it could do all of them, but it wouldn't allow a multi-step granularity within that thing. So within that database or within that access that we are giving, there was more lower level access that we could should grant or deny. And so we just saw that it, the system we had wasn't going to get it done. And so that was a challenge for us. And what we're looking for, because part of our strategic plan overall for the university is user experience, particularly student experience. And we were finding our students were struggling. They were having to constantly call IT and try to get unlocked or access to something that they honestly should have had. We knew they needed access to it, but we didn't have an easy way to just grant it upon admission or grant it once you were approved for the program. So it just caused us a lot of trouble. One of our other objectives was really bringing our bringing self-service to our uh, help desk capability. And so we thought, you know, if we fix identity, the majority of our tickets, which are password related or access related, would go down dramatically. So we we spent a lot of time trying to strategize, is the system we have today capable of doing that or should we look to do something something different? And I think we decided we're gonna do something different. A quick follow-up on that for you, Jonathan, and, and please anybody else chime in on this as well. As you kind of went down into the depths of identity and 
discovered where there were gaps in process. Did you also find policy issues that you needed to address related to access? We did. We really started learning sort of um, as the ticket flowed by, if you would, that there were policy issues that had to be addressed as to, you know, how students move through the undergraduate institution, how do students move into graduate, the graduate institution, and, and honestly, how do we handle students who were not undergrads, but did come to a graduate program at Howard that we needed to bring them in to bring them onto the system. So we're partnering with our academic provost office. Uh, there's an AP that's responsible for faculty. There's an AP that's responsible for um, students. And we're working with them to really understand the flow and as well as our deans, because every school has its own peculiar needs. The law school is certainly different than our pharmacy school, mm -hmm. et cetera. But yes, policy was a big thing and also partnering with the functional area. Some of these things can't be addressed by IT alone. We have to have our partners to tell us what the rules of the road are and what things you need to access at the various stages or the various years as you pass through a program. Yeah. A lot of associate provosts who didn't think they'd ever be talking about access management, right? <laughs> <laughs> I want to turn to Brad for a second. If you can talk a little bit more about kind of the detailed journey and, and those implications for your shop? Well, we're still in that journey, uh -huh. of course. Uh, we have not completely implemented the uh, identity management solution that we're talking about here, but our really, our, our biggest uh, driver to really kick this off uh, was our ERP change. Uh, we're moving away to a new ERP and we're recognizing that uh, any tool that we're bringing in, a modern tool uh, is probably going to be cloud-based and needs a, a system that as the other panelists have talked about can be managed, is standardized, uh, can move from identity to identity and that kind of thing. We just settled on this, but we uh, are, are really looking at it uh, when you talk about policy as well. I'll just add to Jonathan's conversation. Uh, one of the policies that came up uh, as a result of COVID for probably most schools is the uh, telework policy and the identity, uh, ability to handle that identity if they've aren't going to be on campus or have never been on campus, maybe even those kinds of things were part of our challenge. But uh, this, this really helps to uh, uh, having a tool like this really helps to solidify that for us. That's great. And I wonder, as you as you were moving to the cloud from an ERP perspective, how did you make the business case that not only that you wanted to move those to the cloud, but that identity was a part of that? I spoke with cabinet about this and, and we kind of walked through the fundamental infrastructure pieces and the fact that the fundamental, one of the most fundamental pieces that we have in our ecosystem was our ERP, that being in the cloud, that was kind of a, a no brainer business case along with um, today's world where we're, we're kind of always battling that uh, security envelope that is you know, two-factor and all that, that that has to be in place now that didn't have to be there 10, 15 years ago. That was a, a very strong business case in itself, just trying to maintain security and not wanting to end up uh, losing control of that. Mm -hmm. I wonder, Jonathan, if you might have anything to add in terms of thinking through the business case as you kick these off, I know a lot of institutions really struggle with getting their leadership to understand how important identity is and how difficult it is to manage on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, so we came at that uh, strategy from a couple of directions. Obviously, the direction that our counterparts have talked about, certainly giving people access with and through COVID. 
the other piece was security in general. So we're we're doing a large push on taking all of the loosely coupled security products that we have and turning them into a real ecosystem. So identity obviously is at the center of that, having the ability to grant and discontinue access literally at the push of a button is going to be key to that. The other part is we have a policy server that we use on the network. And so joining those things, we have our you know vulnerability scanners and other things, but bringing those products together, integrating them so that they can actually do some work that people normally would do, it was a part of the strategy. But with, until we had an identity system that would allow us to get to the granularity we needed uh, because we may not need to turn everything off for a person, just some things. And a lot of that is gonna be tied to our ERP's status of a person. Are you active in the community? Are you you know, on administrative leave? Are you on FMLA? Are you on some kind of disciplinary issue? Whatever that status is in our ERP would, would then communicate to the identity system and it would decide what system should be turned on and turned off and what access is. And so we're trying to do sort of a, we're using a bunch of COTS products that we're gonna try to do some automations uh, within an integration system to make that happen. And so I can't say it's been successful yet, we're still working on it, but we're putting the big pieces in place. So we came at it from different angles to answer your question. Obviously mm -hmm. the campus identity was key, but campus security is also a big part of that. And also automation is part of our digital transformation. Great. I think that's helpful for everybody. So I'm gonna zoom out here a little bit for my next question. And Fred, I wanna to turn to you first. As you think about what your institution's true goal is in serving students, how do you really think about students and student experience and how technology supports that? I think there's an important aspect that all of my colleagues here have touched upon and the idea of being student obsessed. I love the phrase that Stephen used there because I think that's, really where our hearts and minds lead us to, is to ensure that that student experience is not only positive, but it is enriching and that technology is never an obstacle to them achieving their educational goals, but rather as a facilitator for that. Yeah, I had the, the unique experience of being brought to the OCTA table through our chancellor's office, our state chancellor's office. And um, there was a discussion that was taking place at that layer, acknowledging that uh, even before COVID and the pandemic impacts hit us, that there were uh, definitely digital equity issues within our state. Um, and when you have 116 community colleges, you have some that are located in very rural parts uh, of the state of California. People tend to think that California is comprised of places uh, like uh, Disneyland and, and the beach, when in fact we have, you know, the full spectrum of locations. So we have everything from, you know, College of the Siskiyous is at the northernmost part of our state out to uh, Palo Verde, which, uh, you know, can be towards the southernmost end of our state. And with them each having a very unique population, we had already begun the journey of, of having a common application process for our students so that they could apply once and then be accepted by any one of the community colleges. Because with the community college system, 
we like to say we take the top 100% of the students who apply to the system. <laughs> so, so, you know, with that comes then the next step in that journey. And then what does that individual experience look like when they come to the individual college? And that's where it begins to, to fall apart, because depending on the resources you have, which is based primarily on the size of your institution, uh, you can have a very different digital experience. And that's not really fair to the students of the state. They should have the same quality experience, the same tools, and quite honestly, have the same expectation for security and privacy for their data as well. So that was really where our journey began is um, I was asked to help pilot and understand what the, the scope of such a change would be within our state and what that impact would look like uh, at a particular district and college level. So I think the journey for us is still quite underway, but for us being able to make sure that not only the student experience is positive, but also our adjunct instructor experience is positive. Within our system, it is not uncommon for a faculty member who is an adjunct instructor to teach at multiple institutions. Uh, and I think uh, as Brad and Stephen and Jonathan were all mentioning, we don't want to have them have so many sets of credentials that it leads to, uh, you know, bad password hygiene, bad security practices, because that's the ramifications we see. Uh, the, the ramifications that they experience, though, is just a very negative experience in terms of the way they interact. Quite frankly, you could lose just as you can lose students to a bad experience, you can lose great instructors to, to a bad experience as well. And we want to ensure that the steps that we're taking are going to provide the appropriate resources and all the transportation vehicles for allow them to deliver all their content and their services on the digital highway. Great. Thanks, Fred. And I have to say, I truly admire in the campus or in the community college community, the, the passion around students it is truly a phenomenal thing to witness. I think every institution does, but almost the, the combative, like, I have to make this good for my students' view mm -hmm. of the world, I think is phenomenal in the, in the community college industry. Stephen, I want to turn back to you for a second on the same topic about tying your technology back to the student experience. So I mentioned earlier the student obsession, and, and it really wasn't mm -hmm. That simple. We we pulled together a group of individuals that included you know twelve of our presidents in the early onslaught of digital innovation and said, okay, look, what do we want the future state to look like? So the two day initial kickoff of that actually looked more like a battle than anything. It, it actually had us all kind of circling around and throwing ideas into the ring where the best one you know was going to engage in mortal combat with all the others and the best one was going to arrive and. Also, we even argued for a long time over who the actual customer is. Who, you know, it's easy to say it's a student, but you're like, hey, wait a second, is it industry who's hiring your students? And, and so we had these really robust conversations where everyone had an opportunity to, to be heard and share about defining that future state. And, and that's what we started as, as Amazon. We work with Amazon, they like to call it working backwards. You know, it's like, hey, yeah. define where you want to be. And, and we wrote a press release, this mock press release out of, okay, this is what, in a year from now, this is what we want the local newspaper to say about what we did. And so we defined this and we worked backwards and tried to define how we'd get there. And one of the big things we've done is tying this and making it happen. 
has been to do so uh, with speed and to do, you know, to move rapidly. Because when you're trying to implement change, the slower you go, the more deliberate you are, the, the more time you give the organizational immune system an opportunity to ramp up and start kicking that change out. Because, you know, a lot of times we, we find ways to delay things or not do things just because of how hard they are. And, uh, and that was a big part of tying this in is not only we're going to make these digital changes, they're going to serve our students better, we're going to get them done rapidly. I can tell, you know, this, this community that we signed the contract late January, maybe the 1st of, uh, of February for Okta Solution. That will be rolled out across 22 colleges, 88 campuses, serving over 300,000 people uh, between May 7 and June 1. So from February to May, this product is going live. And, and that's speed, right? Of just execute, just get it done. Lo- love some other other uh, mindsets here, but you know, it's, it's try, learn, modify. You know, planning is dead. Just start doing <laughs> something. The faster you start doing it, uh, the more more success you're going to have. That's pretty frightening around identity, I'll say, but that's that's great that you're getting it done. Jonathan, can you talk a little bit about that relationship of student experience to technology for, for your institution? Yeah, it's job one for us. Our students have had a difficult experience previously, mostly before this president. Uh, and so one of the things that was high on his list, it's high in the strategic plan, is student experience. In fact, student experience carves through all of the five pillars of our strategic plan because one of the things that came out of a meeting, so I have a meeting with the student government organization every six months, twice a year, I meet with the president and the whole student government cabinet. And one of the things that came from that was they felt like they were chasing the institution. And that phrase resonated with me as just as an IT leader to say, I don't want you chasing the administration. You should be chasing your education and we should be bringing administration right to your doorstep, right to your phone. So that was woven throughout the IT strategic plan that the ERP system needs to be very easy to use and no one should have to go to an office to do any of the business of getting through the institution. It should be in a system. It should be something that we can deliver to you mobile and that you should be able to do any of those transactions. But again, the identity, knowing who you are, knowing what level you're operating, you're in, in your program, and knowing what things you should be having access to is critical for that. And so although we are also pushing that identity system in and moving that project quickly down the road. We also want to make sure that it's well done. We want to make sure that we have covered all of our bases, particularly around our student experience as as a priority. But secondarily to that is our faculty experience. We spend a lot of time and money recruiting faculty from all over the world, and we don't want them to leave simply because they don't have access to things or that they're always struggling with their, their passwords, what Fred alluded to. And so keeping those groups happy with getting immediate access, we want it to be once we know what your identity is, we can grant you the access to the things you need. And so we we want to move quickly. We have a, a lot of deadlines around our ERP. We have deadlines around starting our, our student deployment. But identity has got to be the glue that holds all, that, all of that together. So we're, we're taking our time and we're working across functions to make sure that we do it correctly and we have all the data that we want. We know we'll miss some things and we'll have to do some addbacks, but we want the majority of our student experience to be accurately reflected in our identity system so that we can give them uh, the accurate access that they need across campus. 
That's great. I want to pull on that thread that Jonathan just raised a little bit around the balance of ease of access and security, because both of them are paramount right now for IT leaders across the, the industry. You know, so many issues in cybersecurity occurring on a regular basis, but we're also trying to make sure that everybody can get what they need easily. And maybe, Fred, you can jump in with how, how are you balancing those two things as you move forward in this journey? You know, I, I think that's an excellent point. Uh, one of the challenges I faced um, when I first landed at Coast just about four years ago was it seemed that we had just such an abundance of product that we were using, all of which did, you know, bits and pieces of what we were trying to do, that we really had to take that first step back and, and ask ourselves, what was it we were trying to accomplish? But then how were we were going to measure whether we were successful in delivering that service? And for us, we really started to go on our listening tour, if you will, to ask our users where those challenges and difficulties were. And you know, we've often talked about digital infrastructure as always being the last mile uh, and being the hardest to, to actually implement. I think it's actually probably closer to the last hundred feet. And what I mean by that is that we were listening to our students who were saying, I don't understand. And the comparison they always had was Amazon. You know, not only does Amazon anticipate what I need by showing me some things that they think are relevant and that might be of interest to me, but if I need something, I can go in and basically sign up for something and get immediate access. I can indicate that there's an interest and somebody will follow up with me. Why can't you be more like Amazon? And, you know, that's, that's an easy question to ask, not necessarily an easy answer to give, because, of course, we don't have the resources of Amazon. But that isn't a satisfactory explanation. What we really found is that if we would simplify the tool stack that we were using and we were leveraging what was truly possible and almost ad adopt that just-in-time inventory model to the way in which we deliver services. If you can pre-stage, you know, every student is going to need access to these particular applications or these services. If you understand that based on their major, based on their program of study, there's certain things that need to be provided. You can go a long way to ensuring that uh, you are able to stand that up for them at the time of, literally at the time of application, and then uh, again at the time of registration. I think the other component to that is then to have the self-service tools that allow them to do those password resets or allow them to, in essence, to do that first line uh, of, uh, of self-healing when they're having a technical challenge. We really have a problem. If something is so severe that it took getting to humans to actually respond, that should be my tier three response, if you will. I needed to have every service that could be done for the user under the control of the user when they needed that service done. When we adopted that mindset, it really did open up our eyes to then what tools did we need to have? And then the benefit to us, how we could repurpose our staff to actually think about the higher order processes and, and 
uh, services that we wanted to provide as opposed to, you know, worrying about password resets. So I think things like that are critical to our pathway for success and how we ensure that that experience and that the tool set is able to do exactly what we need it to do. Great. That makes a lot of sense. Brad, do you want to chime in on this balance between access and security? Uh, sure. And uh, my thought kind of comes back to the various audiences. Jonathan described a certain kind of audience, the variety of audiences that, that he's got at a community college here in Colorado. Our audience also includes concurrent enrollment, high school students. And that audience has a, a little bit different need uh, in accessibility and access as well. But I also concur with the usability question. Why isn't this like Amazon? We face people uh, at different ends of the spectrum at a community college coming in and their ability to manage their identities, manage technology in general. So from the high school student, maybe even to some of our employees still struggle, uh, a little bit older employees maybe struggle with it. So having tools that can cross that spectrum in terms of usability, but still giving us the confidence that we're providing that security is paramount. And then I would also add that, yes, a, a standardized tool like, like Okta that does not require a, a whole team uh, of people to manage is, is uh, important to us as well. Great. Thanks, Brad. Stephen, do you want to chime in on this topic? Certainly. You know, security is always top of mind and it's critical, right? We don't want people being inadvertently given access to resources. Uh, we also want to provide an opportunity for people to stay as secure as possible and limiting the number of passwords they have to remember, reuse, all, all of that multi-factor, all the other things that make it kind of uh, reassuring for us as, as technologists and keepers of the data and protectors of the data do kind of serve as barriers you know, to access for other folks, right? And so the fewer amount of times we got to have them interact with the technology to get access is a good thing. And so single sign-on portals and all that have been been very important because it allows us to check more of the security boxes uh, while still keeping folks secure and, and giving them you know, those minimal touch points. Another thought and really idea around comprehensive identity for us has been that while giving someone inadvertent access is you know, super important to prevent, we don't want people to not have access to things they should. And that's where the automation tools come in and that provisioning We've all had a help desk and, you know, there's an email that goes out and says, hey, you know, we just hired this new person. And, and you look at the distribution list, there's like 80 people on it <laughs> so that this new person gets all the things they're supposed to have. And being able to automate that not only makes the new employee's life easier or new student's life easier, it makes everyone that was on that email chain before way more efficient. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're only like one person being out of the office for a week on vacation and nobody covering for them from somebody not having access to something they need to be successful. Well, yeah, that's a that's student, a someone trusting us to do what they need for their education. We never want that to happen. The other thing that folks don't often realize is that standardization, as you move into automating that, makes an anomaly detection a whole lot easier because they're a lot more clear, right? Because it is more standard. And so you can really move into that review and analysis in a way you couldn't do when if you didn't expect eight of those 80 to get it done the first time, then what's an anomaly, right? They're all anomalies. So as we're wrapping up our time together, I got a couple of lightning round questions that I want to do for all of you. And so if you can give me your, your one biggest bullet on these two things, that would be really great. So the first one is looking backward. 
So as you've attempted these similar projects, what lessons learned, what advice would you give your peers as they get ready to embark on a project like the ones that, that you've described today? And I'm going to start with Jonathan. The one word would be inclusion. You have to have your other uh, functional areas involved because they know things and have experienced problems that sometimes they haven't even reported to you. And so you want to make sure you capture those things in your identity project. That's a great, great point. Brad, you want to go next? Just uh, the word that comes to mind for me is still is, and COVID related is agile. Try to put yourself in a position to be agile and the ability to move and pivot as needed. Great. Steven? Communication. There's three quick rules to it. What do I know? Who needs to know? Have I told them? Not that I tell somebody to tell them, then mm. I tell them. So communicate, communicate to everybody and do it often. So don't, don't expect anyone else to communicate it for you. Uh, great. You know, what I know, who needs to know, then I tell them. Fred? The only thing I'd add is make sure that urgency is part of your, uh, your presentation as well. Communicate why the need is now why uh, the benefit that will occur and the change, the positive change that will result as whatever the initiative is. If you can build a sense of urgency uh, around it, um, you'll get the backers that you need. Man, that is, that is four great points for anybody. So now we're gonna look forward. As you think about what a difficult year this has been, the, the path that you're on, what's the next big thing on your roadmap? I'll go in the same order. Jonathan, you wanna start? Oh, yeah. So after identity is certainly our big thing right now. But uh, after that, uh, I think it's moving into automation and AI. Cool. Great stuff. Brad? And, and ours is not just so much around technology. If we get ourselves in a position to be able to be fluid, um, our academic uh, dean uh, has talked about learn on demand and allowing students to define their uh, how they want to learn, different modalities, hybrid, in-person, mm -hmm. remote, that kind of thing, or a combination of them. So being able to support that kind of initiative, uh, this is fundamental infrastructure that can help support that. Great. Steven? For us, you know, there's, there's a lot of things happening in parallel, so it's not after uh, yeah. identity, it's in parallel to identity. And, uh, and that's part of that eCamps initiative. And, and right now that's CRM, keeping with that student obsession. So we're doing a system-wide, comprehensive end-to-end CRM to help manage that relationship with students all the way from recruitment through and then beyond graduation through employment and just having us on that standard platform like you kept mentioning those standardizations so that we're all speaking the same language we can all help one another uh, but our students are seeing enhanced services that's great Brad. be the engine and not the caboose and what i mean by that is we are going to look at uh, and continue to look at every lesson we've learned over the, the past 13, 14 months and keep what is the, the pearls and throw away what is the chaff, if you will. And with that, be the change that we want in the system. Do it locally, prove the validity, and then promote through our peers. In essence, change the way in which we operate as a system by starting at the individual level and taking what's great in the lessons we've learned at each of our institutions and make that a value proposition that nobody can deny. That's great. I wanna thank you all. It's a brilliant group of people. Um, such great advice for folks. Thank you, Dave, for moderating. And uh, 
as expected, awesome conversation. I appreciate all of our, all you panelists uh, taking the time out to join us to have this. It's, uh, it's been awesome. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information on how Carasoft or Okta can assist your educational institution, please visit www.carasoft.com or email us at okta at Thanks again for listening and have a great day.